Welcome, welcome, welcome to Queen's Unburdened Podcast. I am Crystal Turner, psychiatric nurse practitioner. Hi, and I'm Dr. Kamiko McGuire, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And we're talking this this month and this podcast, this episode, we're really giving awareness to National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. We really want to talk about this in this space because we do know that statistics are showing that people of color, women of color are having an increase in the occurrences of suicide, which is a concern. And we want to bring some light and some context around that because while we hear it, we want to have more insight as to why this is the situation. So Dr. Kamiko, you can, you want to start? Absolutely. So one of the things that I think we have to recognize with suicide is that it is preventable. And I think a lot of times people feel that it's not. So sometimes there, a lot of times I should say, there will be signs and symptoms that people are struggling, that they are contemplating hurting themselves or ending their lives. So one of the things we really wanted to take time to highlight was just being related to the changes in behavior around people around us. So um, one of the things to be aware of is that if you notice someone that's usually very bubbly, right? They're usually active. They're doing community events, going to church. And all of a sudden now you're not seeing them. They're withdrawing. And there's not really a real reason. Now, if they've had a baby or they've been sick or they've been traveling, that's different. But if this person just, just starts to withdraw, we need to check on them and see, you know, make sure they're doing okay. Another one might be someone who's sleeping too little or too much. Now, granted, this is going to be one that we know more about the people in our homes, right? Now, granted, they may say something at work or a friend may say something to you like, oh, I'm sorry, I overslept or I was so tired, I didn't sleep last night. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to attend things. So noticing a a change in their sleep pattern is, is big. Another one is going to be people that start giving away belongings. And I'm talking about prized possessions, right? So if you have a car collector that's all of a sudden like, hey, I'm going to give this car to my brother and I'm going to give my my um, car collection to, you know, my son. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? A lot of times that's a sign that this person has decided that, you know what, I want the people that I love to have the things that I value. So we really have to be mindful of that. Another one is someone who might be making preparations. Now, with that being said, should we have a will? Absolutely. Should we have our affairs in order? Yes. but if it's almost like a rush, right? And it's not because they're, they, they've been told that they're ill or something like that. It's almost like, I got again, with the belongings, I got to make sure that these things are taken care of. So we want to make sure that we're kind of watching for that as well. Um, might even notice an increase in the use of drugs or alcohol. If this is a person that has typically not been much of a drinker, not much of a drug user, maybe a, a social drinker. And now every time you see them, they are um, intoxicated or you know, they're missing work or they're missing um, out on responsibilities and obligations in their home because they're excessively using substances. This might be a way to kind of cope with the decision that they've made to hurt themselves. So we definitely want to make sure that we're kind of checking on people when these things are happening. And then another one um, could be just finding that this person is searching online for methods on ways to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that seems very obvious, but a lot of times we we don't think about it. The, the internet is so integrated in our lifestyle that we just go there to look for things real quick, right? And so if you go to type something in on a joint computer and that pops up as something that has been searched for before, you better believe I'm about to go have a family meeting and say, okay, who's who's done this? Who's searched for this, right? Because we need to know. That's how we prevent these types of things, right? 
And then um, the last one would be making unexpected calls or visits to say goodbye to friends and loved ones. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, even if they don't necessarily say the words goodbye, but it's, you know, taking pictures or it's reminiscing or it's something, a lot of times it's going to be out of character for this person, right? So where it's like, what, what, what's going on, you know? So um, mm -hmm. just being mindful of that. And it's not something that necessarily has to be addressed in that moment but it needs to be addressed pretty urgently. Like, you know, pull them aside, like, hey, just want to check on you. You're acting like you're saying about us. What's going on? Um, because sometimes people feel so lonely that if you notice that, that might be all it takes to save somebody's life. So um, I just wanted to share those with you. And now Crystal is going to take the time to kind of tell you about some things that might come up in our own lives, right? Some of those thoughts that we might have and kind of go through the progression of passive, to active uh, suicidal ideation and planning. Thanks, Dr. Kamiko. That's good. Those, that's really insightful. Even just sitting, listening to you, just keeping that in mind for myself with my loved ones. That was really good. Okay, so yes, as we talk about for yourself, it may be this obvious thing of, oh, if I'm, I know if I'm suicidal, but what the reason we want to bring this up is because there can be progression to getting you to a place. And oftentimes it's not one day you're fine, the next day, bam, I'm, I want to commit suicide. You know, not to say we X anything completely out, but in a general sense, there is a progression. And if you can start noticing these, these changes in your behavior or notice these, these things starting to be a trend for you, um, then it could be something to catch for yourself or notice earlier on that maybe I do need to seek out some help. And so we want to talk about Suicidal thoughts. They're also called suicidal ideations. So when we talk about this, there, there are levels to this. Let's just say, so there's the, there's the passive thoughts. There are the thoughts. And then there's, you know, when you're full fledged, ready to do this. And so when we talk about passive suicidal thoughts, they're more fleeting. They're these thoughts that just come across your mind. You know, you might not even connect with it completely. Completely, but these are thoughts that come across your mind. And some examples of that might be, um, it would be nice if I were no longer here. Or uh, I've tried everything and nothing is getting better uh, and nothing is changing. Or, or because nothing is changing, this, is, this would be the solution. If I do this, then it will all be over with. Sometimes it could be that you feel, or the thought could be that I'm not finding any meaning in this life. And that you really feel like your whole purpose of existence is for someone else or for other people, the people that you love. Um, these are still concerning thoughts because where is your connection to this life that you find something that gives you the reason to get up each morning? Um, there could even be that you feel that you are a burden to other people. It could be, you know, people will be better off if I'm not here because maybe you feel that you're causing problems for people. Or that you feel in your mind somehow your thoughts of taking to this place that people will be relieved. Keeping in mind that in many situations, that's not the case. But our mind and our thoughts can take us places. And this is why we want to start paying attention to if these thoughts are starting to shift in this direction for us. It's this shift that could happen. Some people are dealing with a lot of pain. And this could be emotional. This could also be physical, though. That, that is really... Uh, taking away any joy and it's really causing each day to be painful. And for some people, it could be that you just want to be done with the pain. Um, and then it could be that you're dealing with maybe a, a terminal illness or some condition, or it may not even be a condition. It could just be the thought that I'm going to die eventually anyway. I might as well do it now. 
It could be thoughts that are tending in that direction. Um, it could be really coming from this place of, you know, how would people feel if I were no longer here? If I, if I did this, then how would people feel? Or would they feel sorry for treating me a certain way? Uh, so I'll do this to get people to understand that they really hurt me and they'll feel the regret when I'm gone. Uh, these can be thoughts. It's something to sit with self and really consider, have I thought in this way? Have I thought about things from this perspective? Um, because that's the beginning of something transpiring. And then there's the active thoughts where it's more like, truly, I don't want to be here anymore. I, I, I do want to commit suicide. So you could be at that point, but you could be at a point where you haven't thought it through um, because then that's what takes you to being at a point where you have the thought, knowing that you don't want to be here and you want to commit suicide. And then there's that point where you have a plan. You know exactly what you want to do to commit suicide and you may have a means to make that happen. So those are those levels. We don't ever want to get to that any of these points we don't want to be at. But understanding where we could be in the process of something and how something can start one place and then it can gravitate somewhere else. So to see if you recognize yourself anywhere on that path. That's good, Crystal. Thank you so much for sharing that because so often I will hear patients say, well, I, I'm not suicidal, I'm not suicidal, but if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'd be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that, that's, that, that tells me where you are, right? Mm -hmm. That tells me that you, you really don't value seeing tomorrow. And that's very, that's very close to that active phase that you mentioned, right? Yeah. So, um, and we, sometimes people think that's very harmless, right? And I get it. You know, life is tough. Like you said, there's a lot of pain, but there's always a, a positive on the flip side of that same coin. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, but, you know, we're going to definitely share some resources with people. So when you are in those moments, if you are going from that passive to that active, um, how you can stop it, right? So one would be um, the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That is a, na a national crisis lifeline that you can call or text. So sometimes when we're in the trenches, we don't necessarily want to have a conversation about how we feel, but you could definitely text, right? That's a great way to be able to reach out to someone, get some help that you need, and just kind of blow off that steam potentially, right? While we're in that moment. So we you're never alone. That's first and foremost, because a lot of times when we're in those moments, we feel very alone. We feel isolated. We feel hopeless, helpless, and nobody's there. It might be two o'clock in the morning. and You know, everybody you know and love are asleep. Guess what? That line is available. So I definitely want you all to memorize that 988. And then NAMI, which is a nationwide uh, mental health organization that has resources available as well. They have a phone number that can be called. It's 1-800-950-6264. They also have a chat on their website and their website is nami.org. And they also have the ability to text. You would text the word friend to 62640 or you could even email them at helpline at nami.org. Again, that's helpline at nami nami.org to connect with them. Available 24-7, I believe. I know the, the um, text should be, 
in the email, obviously, just sometimes we just need to get the things off of our chest, right? Like I just need to get it out. So um, those are a few resources that are available to um, everyone at all times. That way you realize and know that you are not alone. So in the spirit of prevention, there are things also available that are kind of pr protective factors, right? Like there's certain things that if we do these things, it puts us in a better space, right? It puts us in a better um, situation potentially to help prevent suicide. So Crystal, will you share some of those, what I'm gonna call them positive reinforcements to mm -hmm. help us to kind of get out of those situations when they do present themselves that can be used by ourselves, but also use it as a resource for the people that do take the time to reach out to you when they are hurting. Absolutely. Thank you. And this is, yeah, where we can utilize and be empowered for ourselves. So first of all, if we were at this, this point where we're really at this level, we want to really seek professional help. And that could be through getting treatment, if it's medication management in these acute states where, you know, where you may need that support to just balance yourself emotionally. There's also therapy that can be beneficial towards you. Finding that therapist that you can have a rapport with can really be insightful because it's being able to give, you know, to give your perspective to someone who's not in any way, they're very, they won't have a bias in the sense because they're not connected in that way. You know, so it's someone who's on the outside of the situation who can give you good perspective and also coping strategies, management, all these things to help train our brain on sometimes that we have to do out of our negative patterns of thinking. Uh, sometimes therapy can really be a big part of helping to shift that. So cognitive behavioral therapy is one of those types of therapy, as well as dialectical behavioral therapy are two really powerful types of therapy that can really help to support how we're thinking to give us a broader perspective on ways of thinking that might loosen us away from that grip of these thoughts and of, of suicide. The monitor medication that we mentioned. Also social supports in our bonds. You know, one thing about us as people of color, historically, one of the reasons that we our suicide rates have been lower is because of community and, you know, the power in community. You know, community is our family, having people around, you know, so we're not isolated many times when we have community. Also, there tends to be someone who we can talk to when we have community, someone who can give us more perspective, someone that we can lean on, someone who might help us with certain things if we're overwhelmed with our day-to-day, -day, which can really lead us down a dark path when we're, when we're just doing so much and not having time for ourselves. Um, there's so many ways that a uh, community can be of a support. So thinking about our social supports and our bonds with our family and our friends, and knowing that we can also create these, um, even if we don't have them naturally right now, um, we can create these. No one necessarily can dictate how that looks. What we're concerned about is true support. Um, and then participation in social groups. Well, oftentimes in social groups, you'll find that you're not alone in what you're feeling. You, you know, it's the biggest benefit of social support groups is that you'll find that there are many people who can sit and really resonate and relate to what you're feeling. And you can also relate to what other people are experiencing. And just knowing that you're not alone can be a very big part of feeling like you can go on and navigate. Uh, that's the benefit, one of the benefits of, of, of social support groups. And then also limiting our access to lethal means. Uh, limiting our access to lethal means because if we have those things there, it could be what makes us more likely to go through with something. 
So in our own sense of self-protection is to not have those things around. Because what I will say is I think in most situations, we don't really want to, we don't really want to hurt ourselves, but it can be that we want to um, just be relieved of the pain or, or whatever it is that's causing us the distress. Um, so limiting those accesses to the lethal means can be big. And then also having safe areas in schools, in our workplace, um, where we can go and we can digress for a moment or think through things or just having having a way to have a little bit of peace away from, you know, maybe surroundings that we're in that might be the places that overwhelm us. Uh, keeping in mind healthy habits that we can use, such as our diet, sometimes thinking about what we're eating and really connecting our gut health and really understanding that there's a there's a power in how we're getting rid of the toxins out of our body that could really be contributing to some of our mental health. Um, and also our exercise. When we, when we do exercise, we have this ability to increase these endorphins in our brain, the, the happy chemicals. We have the power to increase those and get the blood flowing, get moving. Oftentimes when we first work out, we feel, you know, we have a pep. We, we feel more upbeat. We can feel good about ourselves about even doing something for ourselves, such as working out. And, um, also limiting alcohol and drugs. I think sometimes when we do take those in, we could be a bit more impulsive in the, in the things that we do and the decisions that we make. And also our thoughts can be a bit more distorted, keeping in mind that alcohol also in itself is a depressant, um, and can keep us in, you know, in a lower state. And all those things can be where we make decisions from a place that's not to our benefit. Uh, managing our stress. And that could be like, like we talked about earlier this week, uh, or like last week about how can we have like those quick little resets, even quick little resets could be important to just having a moment to ourselves or doing something intentional for ourselves can make us really show up better for ourselves. Like when we're looking for other people to do it, I get it. But when we start doing some things for ourselves, it's empowering because we're knowing that we have the power to be able to do well for ourselves and, and do things that can bring us um, ways of reducing our stress. Yeah. So and some of those techniques could be things like meditation. It could be taking a walk in the nature and just viewing something beautiful. It could be talking to someone and getting things off your chest. It could be stretching. You know, there are a lot of different things we can do to really reduce our stress. And with that, I just encourage you to know that there are options and really ask yourself, have you tried some of the things that maybe you haven't considered on this quest to being free from this burden of the stress that will take us to this point of wanting to commit suicide? That's good, Crystal. That's so good because there's so many, I mean, you listed off so many gems there, right? Because some people might say, well, I don't have any friends. I don't have any family. Okay, well. You still have the, you still can eat right. You can still can sleep well. You can avoid, you know, alcohol and drugs. So you gave something for, I feel like everyone. And as you were mm -hmm. talking, I kind of like made mental notes because one, a couple of the, the items, the first few, when you talked about that professional treatment side of things, I was like, I want to, I want to go back to that. And the reason why is because a lot of times that's not our go-to, right? So we'll go to the doctor if we have a cold. We'll go to the clinic if uh, we have a broken bone, but we won't seek the help that we need if we feel like we're going through something mentally. And so a lot of times, you know, it's associated just with the stigma related to mental health. So I've literally had patients say I had a good upbringing. I have a good life. I have a good marriage. 
why do I feel like this, right? And we try to rationalize why we feel the way that we feel. And sometimes there is no reason. That's just the way we're wired. It's okay, right? Mm -hmm. So the brain is an organ just like our heart, our lungs, our even our skin. They get sick, they get treatment. So why would you not treat the powerhouse of your entire body, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain. So medicine is not always going to be the answer. Not That's not, granted, yes, we both prescribe, we treat patients, but therapy might be the move, right? If you're skeptical, skeptical of medication, find somebody to talk to, like Crystal said, and find somebody that resonates with you, like she said also. Because a lot of times people will try one therapist and they're like, nope, didn't like them. That's it. Well, mm-hmm. I, I give therapists to mechanics, right? So some mechanics are great with exotic cars. Some are good with domestics. Some work on hybrids, right? So not every therapist is going to be good at every diagnosis or every situation. So you have to find the person that resonates with you. And a lot of times as women of color, we want somebody that looks like us or at least has some color, right? There's nothing wrong with that. People seek out, like you said, people that you can you, you build rapport with, right? That can relate. You don't have to break down the colloquial terms. You don't have to break down the cultural terms. They are, it's understood. And that is such a beautiful thing when you can go and start talking to someone and that person understands exactly what you're talking about because culturally been there, done that, right? So not to say that non-women um, of color or people of color therapists are a good fit, just understand that there is someone out there for you. And sometimes it might take a little bit of work. If you go to a hairstylist and you don't like them, you don't keep going back, you find another one. So it's the same thing with a therapist. Find the person that resonates with you because they are out there. And there are several ways to find them. So, you know, online people have pictures and profiles and that way, you know, it's like a not essentially a date, but it's like a little bit of a getting to know you type situation. I want to get to know you as a person. So that way you do feel comfortable because if that rift is there, you're not going to get the therapeutic change that you need because you can't relate. You don't feel comfortable disclosing to that person and you're wasting your time and money in the process. So just be mindful of that. And yes, medications can be helpful. Um, And a lot of times I feel like people feel like medication is permanent. It's not. I always try to let Mm. people know, let's get you over this hump. And then we can figure out what's on the other side of it. But for right now, especially if we're at that active phase, you need both more than likely, more than likely. I'm going to chime in and just say something because I didn't, I was really contemplating if I was going to mention this, but just even talking in this and, and it's interesting because I've been, you know, in healthcare for quite some time and I've been a provider for, you know, a number of years now, but I, I have my experience with, um, wanting to commit suicide. I was a young girl, though. I was, I was in seventh grade. And this, but this conversation really sticks when you talk about the passive and the act of and having a plan, right? Because mm-hmm. I remember having thoughts of people would be happy if I were not here anymore. You know, if, if, how would people be if I wasn't here anymore? And I remember thinking like that first. And then I literally... I I really went through these stages of not wanting to be here because I just felt like it was too hard. Uh-huh. And then I remember having a plan. I'm not going to talk about what my plan was specifically, but I remember asking my mom about this thing, that the way that I wanted to plan it, I would ask my mom, like, you know, what would happen if I did ABC? 
And then, wow. you know, I asked her several times and then one day she was like, Crystal, why are you asking me this? And then I, I just didn't say anything else. And I remember the day I left school with the plan to go home and do it. I left school and I left school a little early and no teacher stops me. And I remember thinking that means that this is supposed to happen. And so wow. when I got home, the thing that made me not do it is when I went into my room, my mom was busy. My mom was a great mom. She she was a nurse and she had those schedules. There was sometimes she was just busy. She had four kids. and But I remember when I walked into the room this day, she had cleaned me and my sister's room in such a way that it just felt like love. And, oh. you know, every day she didn't do that because she was busy. You know what I mean? But it just, it just felt like in that moment, I was like, okay, someone does care. Someone oh. does care. And I never told her that. I've never told her that. Um, I don't think she even knows that I ever had that plan. But I say that to say that a lot of times it's not that you... I mean, everyone has their different experience, but it's like if something could be different, this idea that something could be different. Um, when I, when I, after that, I never had an, a, a plan again, but I had passive thoughts for many years, passive mm-hmm. thoughts for many years. And just having passive thoughts takes away from your joy and your, your enjoyment in life and being able to really, truly embrace life. But I, I just, I guess I say that to say, I just, it really speaks to, I think there was a point in time where I might have minimized some of those passive thoughts, but mm-hmm. I can see how those passive thoughts, our thoughts are powerful. It can lead to, it's going to lead to something else if we keep thinking on that. Um, so not to minimize these passive thoughts that we're having. That, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good, Crystal. Like I literally got chills when you're like, that's love. Like somebody loves me, right? Because a lot of times when we're in those dark places, people, we just feel like nobody cares. And we know that like, yeah, my mom loves me. You know, my parents love me, but sometimes it has to be felt right in order just to be like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, somebody would miss me. And so that that's such a that's such a powerful story, because um, in our spaces, you know, um, in our industry, I think we hear those stories. And we almost kind of get a little numb to it, right? We get a little desensitized because it's just like, whew, another one, you know, great. I'm glad that you overcame that. But some people do not overcome it, right? And like yeah. you said, that just kind of sharing that the whole trajectory of going from passive to active and how easy it can happen. And then people not really realize it. And I um, circled back. I also highlighted one of your other topics talking about limiting the access to lethal means because you can go so quickly from passive to active that if you have the means to carry it out, you don't even have time to give it a second thought. There's no barrier in place. But if somebody has to go look for a way to hurt themselves, that gives them at least a little bit more time to maybe, like you said, walk into that room and find that love. Mm. Get a, Have a conversation with the friend. Get that mm. text that somebody's thinking about them, right? But when there's something just readily available in a way that people can hurt themselves, then you're almost granting them permission. The one and only patient that I've lost to suicide had the ability to harm himself laying on his kitchen table Mm. at all times and had never disclosed wanting to hurt himself. And it was like he went from, you know, depressed, anxiety, had kind of had some alcohol problems to started taking meds, going to therapy. And that leads into another topic that I wanted us to talk about briefly to Dawn. And his mother called me and just the way she called the clinic to tell them we need to cancel his appointments. 
And they said, oh, okay, what's going on? You know, do we need to reschedule? She said, no, he committed suicide. And she was going to hang up the phone. And the front desk said, ma'am, hold on just a minute, please. And they called me. And they were like, uh, Kamiko, you need to take this call. And I get on the phone and she tells me how it happens. And I just, I couldn't, I could barely contain myself. And Mm -hmm. she was like, thanks for everything. We appreciate it. But, you know, he just, he was just too sick. And she was just, he was probably in his fifties. He was single, no children. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, thank you for everything. Please tell please tell the therapist, thank you. Click. And I'm like, and that well, traumatized me. Like I'm getting emotional well, now. And yeah. I, you know, just like, and I'm just his provider. So sorry, y'all. No. <laughs> I said that to say that even the people you think don't care, they do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. There's so many people who, that's so good. Because even in my my mind, when I was in that place, I know that there are a lot of people who love me. I had three siblings, a dad, a mom, cousins, friends. But we could be, we could, our thoughts could be distorted. Our perspectives mm-hmm. can be very distorted um, when we are, when our mind is using us. When our mind is using us. You know what right. I mean? And it's Dr. Camille, you know, we do this work because we care, you know? So even on that side of having someone who, who wants to see you on the other side, and I love how you put it, uh, Kamiko, of walking into the room to receive the love. Like we never know what that next thing we do could be where we could receive the love. It could be that very next, that very next moment, that very next day, that evening, you know what I mean? That next morning, you know? And and it's given a lot of power to the people outside of us, but it is important to understand that there's love. There is love. And then, you know, what can we do to build up our own love for ourselves? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That will carry us also through these moments when maybe it doesn't seem like anyone is there, but this this self-love, this this thing that's in us, you know, that we can reshape because a lot of times this is coming from something Right. Um, even if we haven't put a figure on what and don't know what, but there, there, there is um, this benefit of learning to love ourselves. That, that's our life work in many ways is, is learning ourselves and connecting with self so that we can show up better for ourselves and we show up better for other people. Um, sometimes that sounds like a lot of work when we're emotionally exhausted. So just uh-huh. like being in a moment of just hugging yourself and loving yourself, just just the hugging of self. You know, but just understanding that in many situations when we think that no one cares, there there are people there are people who care. Sometimes we're we're in this dark place and we can't see, you know. Absolutely. It was just it was shocking, right? Because we were like, he's been doing well. And the first class, you know, went back to all the notes. And I'm like, he never disclosed this. So the mm. important part to that that I I definitely want to drive home before we close is that sometimes there are no red flags at all, right? And it's, you know, granted, he had some issues going on, but there was never any, oh, no, 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 you know? Um, And a lot of times people don't disclose what's going on with them or how they feel. So just being present and making sure that we just kind of check on the people that we love and care about, no matter what. Like, a lot of times I'll say, you know, if somebody comes to my mind that I hadn't talked to for a while, I'm like, okay, this is for a reason. Let me shoot them a quick text. Just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you because I feel like for some reason they're on my mind. So mm-hmm. I need to I need to act on that right now, no matter what. 
And even if they, you know, they're fine. Great. Uh, okay. We'll check in another time. But sometimes we get so busy with life that we, we miss out on the opportunity to really just let those people know that are important to us, that they are still important to us. So. And, 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 and real quick, even from the empathetic standpoint, right. Uh, in our friend group, let's just say, and it's not just our friend group, it's all of them. But, um, this friend I had didn't, wasn't committing suicide, but she did develop uh, schizophrenia. It, it, and, and in the midst of it, as us being friends younger, you know, her symptoms, what do people do? They withdraw. Even with depression, people, sometimes they will withdraw. And sometimes, you know, being young and just like unaware, we could think, well, oh, what's wrong with her? Or, or she has an attitude or no, she, she's acting funny. But what was really happening was this mental illness was developing. And I was early in my nursing career when that happened. And when I, when she came to me some months later and she was speaking, it was very clear that she was delusional. It was very clear um, that there was some paranoia and I was able to call her parents and let, let them know. But for me, it really said like, I like completely missed this because I attributed this to all of these ways where I'm about me and how mm -hmm. this is impacting me. Um, but really she has something going on with her. You know what I mean? And like, we have to sometimes shift and in, in this way of being in this space of love, right? Being in this space of love, having room for empathy, like what's the other perspective? This doesn't have to be about me where I'm taking something personally. What's going on with them? Is there oh. something going on that I'm missing? You know what I mean? People's withdrawal doesn't always mean that they're just trying to act funny. You know, sometimes, many times when we're talking about mental health, depression, one of them, Withdrawal is huge. Someone who's planning to commit suicide, all the times withdrawal is a, that's huge. You know, you're disconnecting from this life in these ways first before you, you literally disconnect from this life. Um, and so that, 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 that's what really made me come into this space of, of really knowing Mr. Hub more because I completely missed that. Not to say I could have completely changed this dynamic, but but at the same time, I do believe that had this been called early, had it been called earlier, and and I get it. There's this lack of awareness. That's why we're here in many spaces because there is a lack of awareness and how these things can creep up. And then after it happens, like you said, that's me. Goes like I didn't, I didn't see this. I didn't know. We and we're providers. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um. So it, it you know, it, it takes us kind of like taking ourselves out the equation, not talking about you, Dr. Kamiko, but just in our social atmospheres with our loved ones, sometimes mm -hmm. taking our personal selves out the equation to be able to look at this from a different lens. Could there be something wrong that they just might need some support? That's good. That's good. Because a lot of times we do take things personal. This person has been social. They've always been around. They've always been interacting with us, doing all the things. And all of a sudden they just fall off and you're like, well, what did I do to them, right? Famous mm -hmm. last words, like, well, she got attitude, she got a problem. But mm -hmm. really, it's like, this person might be fighting for their life, literally. And we're over here worried about how they make us feel, right? So the only way to know is to reach out. Like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Just want to make sure everything's okay. And if they, you know, are forthcoming about what they're dealing with, great. Now you have more context. Or it might be, hey, I'm sorry, I've been, you know, busy, sick, travel, whatever. Um, but let's get together for lunch or something like that. So that way it at least removes that, that, uh, egocentric part of it. Like, oh, she mm. got a problem. Right. When really they probably are just trying to survive day to day, 
you know, at that once so when we get that low, it's like, okay, I need to eat, sleep, you know, shower, get to work. And, you know, if we have a family, try to maintain that. Anything else just feels too heavy. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things that we have to recognize that sometimes people are just not uh, at their best, uh, not because of anything that has to do with you, but they're just trying to, to make it from Monday to Tuesday, you know, mm-hmm. so. I'm glad you brought that up because we do get kind of caught up in that sometimes. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you. So we are going to wrap um, Queens on Burden. We are so grateful for all of you for listening. And please share this with someone that you feel might benefit. Crystal and I, our goal here is to not only provide a mental health perspective for women of color, but we want to be a resource, a community, and a safe place for women of color to not only talk about things related to mental health, but also ways to prevent, treat, or even um, empower you to know more about how to manage yourself, your loved ones, your friends, and just be someone that can be helpful and possibly save someone's life just because you have more information to help when you do identify those red flags. So we hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Please um, like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you all next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.